Hey now, and welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. Jack, first off, in Florida, but I went all natural background today. No, no Zoom background. I just thought I'd change it up for you a little bit. Mm. Thought you'd like, you know, the palm trees in the back still. What I, I just to start off, like, what's the temperature like today in Florida? So I was talking to my buddy in Chicago. So I was hearing about the heat today out there. Yeah, don't want to talk it's about literally it. Literally the same. I looked at the weather here. And it's like 90 degrees, 99, it feels like 99 or whatever. Like, just like you guys. You guys have Florida heat today in yeah. Chicago. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like, feels like 103. I, I don't even want to, I don't want to be outside. I know. It's, it's legit. I thought about, every time I feel heat this hot, it, it's like, it goes back to like high school sports. And it's like, dude, imagine trying to practice in this. And I immediately go, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like I would quit. I would quit right now if I had to. And I was going to go outside today and like go to the beach in the morning or something. No. And I saw the heat. I'm like, no, I ended up watching a Jack Nicholson movie kicked back. And I was just wishing I was back. I went on vacation to Utah mountains. Golf it was great. Be my brother, you know, by five, by five strokes, you know. Five strokes kept it a little competitive, but you know, play, play did ball. you play from the tips? No, <laughs> all right, just no. asking. You made me think about that for a minute because I was like, No, I, I got okay. worried for a second. No, no tips. Come on, we, we play back, we play back, but all right. Um, but um, that weather there, dude, was like 70 degrees middle of the day. Like, oh, I bet perfect. there's no you know, no humidity. No humidity. It was perfect. The ball carried a little extra being up I in bet. the elevation. It was wonderful. And now being this humidity, like, dude, we get back from our trip Sunday night and or Saturday night when we were on our patio. We had to put some stuff out there or whatever. And it was 9 p.m. in Florida. Okay. It felt like 95 out. <laughs> That I could never. And we I stepped honestly, outside for ten minutes, and we were sweating. And we we're like, "Yeah, time to close it up and go back inside." No, I, I don't think I could realistically live in Florida. Like I've said that to many people. I that's the one one of the few states where I don't think I want like would want to live in them, and it's because of the weather. And that's crazy to say, but I don't think I could do Florida year round. Like that Dude, would be I, like I you're gonna be the a place Texas I man. escape to. And I, I know you're gonna be a Texas man soon, but I think until you come to Naples, you don't you don't know. <laughs> That's my challenge to you. Fair. You don't, you don't know until you come. I just I'm think putting it out there right now. The the challenge for the year is Naples trip. There's just this stereotype about the Florid Floridian weather where it's so humid all of the time, and there's no like the seasons are there, but they're not as pronounced. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I want but... I, I want the difference. Like I want to feel dry, and then I want to feel wet and humid. And I feel like you just don't get that in, in Florida. You're just always wet and sticky. Not in the winter. Think about this. The times you're bitching about the snow in the winter, you're chilling in Florida. And the times you're hot here, you're hot in Chicago. So it really doesn't matter. You yeah, just, I just feel like just it's even get the gross. The it's snow. just it's probably grosser in Florida for some reason. I don't know. Something about it's it. Wonderful. And, and, and no, there's just weird you, people. You get sweaty, weird people. You get, like there are in Illinois. <laughs> Let's get real about that. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say back. <laughs> yeah. There are people in Florida. I think it's an even trade-off. Look, look. Yeah, but then, like, Florida's also got, like, alligators walking through neighborhoods, and I don't need that. Like, that would just scare me out of my wits. Dude, it's awesome. No, that would scare me. It's awesome. You, you I don't, gotta be in touch with nature. When you're I, doing something glamorous like golfing or hanging at the beach, you're, you interact with sharks. You interact with alligators. It's beautiful. It's joyous. 
They don't harm you if you don't harm them. Alligators' top speed on land is 35 miles an hour. That's why you have a golf cart or car ready. No, though. Dude, that's why people call me wheels. I got wheels, dude. I know how to run from them gators. I'm sure that's why they call you wheels. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. No, alligators and, and humidity do it for me with Florida. I'll visit there. I just will never live there. And I don't think I don't think I could live. Maybe I could live in Arizona. It just depends if like if I live in Arizona, then it's like, do the I have a ton of beats you down, though, too? It does. And then you there's also the scorpions. It, there's the scorpions oh. and snakes. See, and I think the snakes and scorpions are scorpions, scarier. snakes, spiders. Yeah, I think those are scarier because you don't see the where they're coming from compared yep. to gators, you know? Definitely. That's that's another and gators thing. You I only see them on account. golf courses. Like if you're at the beach, you're not seeing a gator, you know? But like you see it in residential areas, no? Yeah, you do, but like you're far enough away. Like they don't sneak up on you. Like <laughs> they don't sneak up on. They, I'm not gonna true. take my chances. I'm not gonna take my chances with a gator. Maybe one's gonna get hungry with rabies and he'll sneak up on me. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know but what to expect. Not everyone lives the glamorous suburban life that you live. I guess where there's just no animal nature interactions. Oh, please. My dog just ruled in coyote shit the other week. Like, I go through it on a weekly basis with these damn dogs. Weekly. And, and nature That's doesn't your help. House, your house is basically an animal-like sanctuary. Just I'm basically alone. a petting zoo. If yeah, anybody really wants are. to pay $10 to come pet dogs, like, be my guest. I'll take all of your money. Yeah, and your dogs don't even need dog food. but you know. No, they have chipmunks outside that they eat. <laughs> but... Talking about um, unusual things that have happened lately, speaking of just unusual animals and so forth, the thing that's taken the sports world by fascination by storm is the unusualness of a new sports league starting and actually stealing talent from the other league, which is going on with the Live Golf um, universe, I guess is the way to put it, and the PGA Tour. And USGA is like taking the middle ground right now by allowing live players to play in the USGA tourneys like the US Open while letting, you know, while the PGA is banning all of them. So it's just this weird conflict going on right now. Me and my brother personally have been loving everything going on with live. We don't support the live stuff, but we love all the drama surrounding golf because you're just wondering who's going to lead next. How much are they getting paid? It's fascinating. But I don't know. So, like, how much do you know about Live Jack? So, like, what's your background? What's your take on it right now? And then I can dive deeper into it as we go forward. So, this is what I know. It's Saudi-backed money, Saudi league. They have teams in this mm-hmm. league of, like, two or three players, three players, I think. And the team names are just weird. And it's it's filled with, like, headline good players that are getting paid a fuck ton of money, like Dustin Johnson, um, Gooch, Car- uh, Carl Schwartzel, um, Louis who stays in like good names are there. Is is Patrick Reed? I feel like he would be. Yeah, there. he left. Perfect. Well, that literally is so fitting for him. But yeah, all this money is being thrown, and then there's like a bunch of other amateurs and like black golfers. So it's like a mix of both, kind of. In my opinion, it just kind of looks like a mix. And essentially, like, and Phil Mickelson. I forgot about him. He's a big guy. Um, Tiger was offered like near a billion by the Saudis and he was just like, now kick rocks. Yeah. And then I but heard also to a tiger is for him. His only reason he's still playing golf or trying to play is to get the record of, yeah. you know, exactly. And, and John Rom to like further that point, like he had a response about like the whole live tour. And he said like, 
he sees the value in the PGA as like legacy and like history and how like you can cement your name along other names. And that's kind of the argument you just made with Tiger, why he wouldn't. And like, that makes sense to where now we get to see kind of a glimpse into who plays for the love of the game and then who plays for the money. And some people might have to play for the money because they want the money or they need it to like live. God, that's such fuck. Their name is live too. But point being like, you can kind of see there's the people who are inspired by like the financial side of it. And then the people who like, there is that side of it if you win in the PGA, but it's not as like lined with money, like the live tour is. So I guess my question to like everyone who's so surprised by this is like, why is everyone so surprised that golfers who their purses determine where they place in like the typical PGA, USGA, whatever, like if you place higher, you win more money. How are they surprised that people who are like given more money are going to like leave and like create a little stir? Like this is, this is obvious for like an individualistic sport. Like, people going to go get theirs. Like, that's obvious. And I don't know how people were like, so it feels like people are so blindsided and even like the leagues and they just didn't know how to react. And they were just banning them from competing now in certain events. And it's to me, I think it's a lot of noise and this is to benefit for live, but it's also like a detriment to the current like establishment of golf. Cause it's like, well, you guys kind of look not dumb, but just like you just didn't really know what to do. And the first step of action was just like, ah, we're going to ban them. And I look, I don't know if that's the right or wrong thing to do, but I'm just surprised by how like much like attention is being like given to it, how people are like, oh my God. And maybe it is because like you said to start, they are getting real talent and they're like battling another establishment and succeeding with getting that talent. So that probably plays a factor, but I don't know. Like, I'm kind of curious to see if this is actually going to be around for five years, you know, like five years, I'll give it and we'll see. And what I'm interested to see is if the live thing sets up a new pay structure for golfers through the PJ tour. If the PJ tour says, you know what, we got to change our entire pay scale like live to reward players and just create a more consistent thing where they basically go to sponsors and say, you got to double what you're offering us to be a sponsor of this, you know, of the masters of the U S open, whatever, because we got to pay these players out to continue to carry on with what we're doing. And so things like live don't pop up because the, my biggest issue with live is sports washing is what they're doing. They're using sports to basically cover up all their political and all their, you know, um, human rights, you know, faults and casualties, I guess is the best way to put it is they're trying to use sports as a way to one connect Saudi Arabia more with the world to get more tourism and get more companies to do business with them and establish themselves there. Where basically one person put it best. It was a golf reporter. They want all the benefits of luxury and like they want all the benefits of a free society of a, you know, open economy without, putting in all the rules in place and all the freedoms in place for them to benefit from them. If that makes sense. We're like in our country, you know, people have human rights there. They don't and how they promote all these luxuries, but you know, really it's a 1% there that gets those luxuries and everybody else is suffering. So I think, you know, what's hard is there's a lot of sports washing there by using these names and stuff. And the thing that's a flaw about this thing is they're paying Phil Mickelson $200 million, okay? He's a 51-year-old athlete 
who's way past his prime. Like they're paying for the name Phil Mickelson. They're not paying for the talent. Like what a lot of people have been saying is a lot of the names that are in this aren't the best. Like, yes, they've won a tourney or two or something. They've won a major, but they aren't the best, you know, the most competitive, the most elite. And the Saudis were originally trying to get after like, you know, the top 25, like 25 out of the best 50 to join them. They failed. They only got like 14 out of the top 100 or whatever to join. So it's one of those things where some of the people competing are like, like um, Kepka's brothers playing in it. Like you get mm. Kepka too. Like you don't even get Brooks Kepka. You get, you know, Diet Coke Kepka. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, they're getting the only people who I see really benefiting from it, but Roy McElroy is saying it's taking the easy way out is the people coming out of college who are joining live. They're making a million dollars within eight weeks right off the bat out of college. That's great money to make, but you know, in his eyes, you're not going down the corn ferry tour. You're not earning your way up where you're making this money, but are you really one of the best if you're getting paid that it doesn't equivalent in a lot of those people's minds. And I think that's the challenge too, is proving to people that it's competitive golf. When the person who won the first live tournament hasn't won on the PGA tour in years, and he won this one. So then people are like, okay, it's taken him five years to even win an event. And it wasn't even on the tour, which was, you know, the best of the best the last five years. So I think there's this, you know, issue with competition. And I'm interested to see how many people transfer over to it still in the upcoming weeks when players are like, we're getting paid this, we're getting paid that. But people's biggest issue with it is that players are just cashing out to be the slaves of the Saudis is basically mm-hmm. how it looks. And the thing that people are saying, too, is like PGA Tour, for instance, they've used Dustin Johnson as an example. Dustin Johnson really doesn't need the money. His wife is a Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's daughter. He's made multiple, you know, he's made hundreds of millions already golfing. Like, he really doesn't need the money, but he took the money over, you know, his ethics, whatever. But the other thing, too, is they talked about how on the PGA Tour, you're a contracted athlete in the sense of you're a freelance player like you can just play whatever tournaments you want to play you're not obligated contractually to play everything he can pick and choose if i want to play the masters and go on a four-month vacation to hawaii with my family i can do it the saudis we're paying you a hundred million dollars to golf we expect you there every week like you're a slave to them and the thing is once they burn out once they're not playing to a standard that the saudis are like this is creating value for us they're going to dump these guys and then they're going to be banned from the PGA tour. And then they can't even play the sport that they've wanted to play their whole life where you can play it until you're 70. And one of the things that people have been saying is the PGA tour has a lot of benefits, even though they don't have that pay structure, they have so many different tours for golfers to play that they can always play. Once you have your PGA card, you have your senior tours, you have the junior tours, you have ferry tours, you have this, you have that, you have international tours. So the thing is, when players are past their prime, for instance, like um, Fred Couples or Gary Player, they can play the senior tour and still play competitive golf, still make money, still get sponsorships. So they're still generating revenue for themselves. So it's one of those things is like when you're giving up your PGA membership, you're also giving up those benefits down the line. You know what I mean? So it's just it's a big risk for these guys, because if golf doesn't accept them back, the PGA tour and live fails, these guys are screwed. Oh, like, totally, totally screwed. And kind of to piggyback off what you've been talking about with the Saudis and how 
there aren't really human rights there. It's kind of funny when you talk, when they have like, you go to their about page on their website and it says live golf has a mission to super supercharge the game of golf and help transform it into the sport. It's destined to become, I'm going to, there's another sentence, but like, what, what's the sport it's supposed to become? Right. I, I, I don't know what golf is trying to evolve into. It's not like this and, is baseball trying to find its footing. And you know, Shambo and some of these guys and all the PGA players have been mocking this. They're saying they're growing the game and they're like, you're not growing the game. Like they're trying to say like through the different style of play and whatever. And they're like, this is hurting the game because of the ties who it's with compared to if you're on the tour, whatever, and taking a stand about whatever, that's one thing, but they're just like, you're selling out yeah. for your own benefit. That's what it is. And one of the interesting things that happened as well was they were talking about how, um, shit. Now I forgot. Um, it was something, oh, what was it? It was really interesting. It was with Liv and it was with, um, oh, I know, it was with the Phil Mickelson press conference. Hmm. So the reporter who wrote the book where it got the Phil Mickelson quote that triggered all this, where he talked about the Saudis and stuff, the reporter was at the Liv press conference the weekend of the tournament. And Phil was answering his first question. This reporter was in there. He didn't even ask anything. Two security guards go up to him and say, we need you to leave. Hmm. And they're like, what? And soon CNN reporters, other sports media reporters are all filming this. And the man who told him the lead who leave, who told the security guards to go kick this reporter out, who wrote the book about Phil was Greg Norman. Yep, he's supposedly he's, super he's the, controlling. He's the, leader. He's, he's the leader. leader. And they asked Jack Nickel. They asked Jack Nicholas to be the face of it. They offered him a hundred million dollars. You he almost said just no. said Jack Nicholson, didn't you? I know. Cause I watched the <laughs> Nicholson movie earlier, but he said, no. And which, you know, makes sense because he basically helped launch the PGA Tour. Right. And Greg Norman, so the thing that's interesting about Greg Norman and which makes him so soft is one, he's been super controlling over the live stuff, like super anxious and everything. And he, supposedly he has like a lot of anger towards PGA um, because I guess like 20 years ago, he tried starting his own golf super league and it failed. And the PGA tour stole a lot of those ideas from that league and implemented them into the tour. And it just grew. Oh, so more. they were a good business. So he didn't get credit from it and everything. So he's always had like <laughs> issues with how the PGA is played. And on top of that, if anybody knows their history with Greg Norman, I mean, he had a lot of shortcomings in his career where he lost a lot of majors by like a hair. Like he just had random flukes where like he could have been, everybody always says he could have been better than what he actually was in terms of championships and stuff. And I think there are some things he's spiteful about with that, with the PGA tour, but um, he, they basically bullied this reporter. So this reporter that who wrote this book on Phil did his job, did everything he did, you know, the right way got kicked out of this press conference over the Phil Mickelson quote that Phil said they're super sensitive about what's being yeah. talked about here and players are that was kind of my point is the players are dodging things Greg Norman's dodging things to glamorize all this and the thing is these reporters and this author specifically have all been saying their PR looks terrible because one of the issues here is the prince who founded this um founded live killed a journalist in 2018 in you know Saudi Arabia and now that they're trying to silence the sports media like this guy by kicking him out of the press conference it is not a good look on freedom of speech and letting the press do their job so it's just like it's a total nightmare right now for them from a PR standpoint of trying to hone this stuff in and my favorite quote of this weekend was McElroy won his tournament this weekend 
And he said, I now have 21 compared to the 20 the other guy has in terms of majors. And that was Greg Norman. He surpassed <laughs> Greg Norman in majors. So he just kind of stuck it to him, which I love. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like the freedom of speech is why I'd say that's a pretty modern belief of like allowing people to speak their thoughts. Who we are as well on the live site, it says our mission is to modernize and supercharge the game of professional golf through expanded opportunities for both players and fans alike. It's just complete and utter bullshit. I mean, it's what are we talking about here if, if we're not allowing the journalists who you need to cover your sport to not ask the questions that your own athletes like said? It's just it's very backwards and it's a peek into like how like that whole Saudi regime kind of rules. It's a very like like seventh century medieval kingdom like power and they want to try and appear modern it just doesn't doesn't work together yeah. but and this is the, to, the yeah. way i put it almost is like you know you talked about last pod about your experience at the indy 500 where they have the pit thing with all the concerts and everything going on live is implementing some of those entertainment types of things to golf trying to make it more fun that's and, not golf <laughs> and it's not golf but one of the things is they're just throwing more because they have unlimited money, basically, where they can just oh, throw yeah. as much money and they know they're not going to really make a lot. But that's the whole thing of sports washing is they're trying to do, you know, the best example of sports washing for me with this stuff is like in 1936, Hitler hosted the Olympics in Berlin. And it was basically to hide everything that he was doing behind the scenes where anti-Semitism was already happening. And, you know, he was racist against Jesse Owens and some of these black Olympic athletes that competed over there. Like he wouldn't shake their hand and stuff like that. And he was trying to sports watch what was, he was trying to show that Berlin was like this thriving city up and coming. And they had all these elite athletes and all this stuff, but really, you know, it was BS basically. And Mm. there was a lot of things going on and that's sports washing and that's basically what the saudis are doing too of trying to show they're innovative they're modern they are accepting whatever which you know has proven to be otherwise but with all this stuff you know they're throwing money at it and i'm all for athletes getting paid i want athletes to get as much money as they can while they can make it i'm all for that completely but i think one of the ways some of these athletes like a phil mickelson stuff could have avoided all this controversy is by going to their sponsors and to PGA and saying, Hey, this is the money we're getting thrown at us. You need to pay us. And obviously he did some of that, but I would say to the sponsors, Hey, you know, you obviously are either going to drop me or you're going to be stuck in a situation where you have to sponsor me. If I'm going through this stuff, you don't support it. I don't want to be a part of it. But if you're not going to pay me, this is what I'm going to have to do and really kind of twist their arms more to get paid and to get, you know, just move the ball a little bit, you know, more for, you know, higher salaries or higher endorsement deals, whatever, because this is just a messy look and it just shows that people are selling out like, you know, and, and McElroy said it best where he's like, all this means is they get a ton of money. It doesn't mean anything on talent. doesn't mean anything on if they win these tournaments. They're basically BS because they're not, you know, what we've had for years and years with the PGA Tour with the best talent. And so a lot of players who aren't doing it are completely dismissing it. And if you look at the talent in it, the top 14 are basically the elite PGA guys. And then there's the field, you know? Yeah. So- no, it, it's it's Taylor Gooch, Graham McDowell, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Louis Oosthuizen, Kevin Na, um, Diet Coke Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. Um, but I kind of want to just – I was going through the, like, the team names 
and before we pivot, I just wanted to like read the names because they're ridiculous. Like four aces golf and they all end in GC, which is golf club. It's a very like FC, like a football club, like for soccer. It's just their own little twist on it. And I think it's stupid. Four aces, number four, HY flyers, high flyers, punch, cliques, C-L-E-E-K-S, what? Iron heads, smash, stinger. Majestics, I know Stinger, like the Tiger Stinger. Majestics, what? Crushers, that's a baseball name. Fireballs, baseball name. Niblix, that sounds borderline like racist for some yeah. reason. I don't even know what Niblix means. It just sounds, sounds English. It just sounds mean. And then Torque. Torque is the last team name. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous yeah. names too. Just terrible. I don't like any. I mean, Torque. I actually kind of like Torque. That's fun. And and um, some and some of the live guys have talked about how like you know they miss the college golf stuff or the Amer the Ryder Cup stuff where they're on a team and they enjoy some of that play where it just you know brings more camaraderie yeah. and stuff. So I get the appeal from the player standpoint. From the fan standpoint, it's like why do you like well there's you know, also no there's play, also no cuts. Right. So that's one and, one and nobody's play. gonna play fantasy golf. Like nobody's yeah. gonna care. Like, you know, for me too, I think um as you know, someone who enjoys golf, you know, to a certain extent you want to see who makes the cuts and when there are no cuts and it's 54 holes and whatever, you know, it just seems more country club for the athletes compared to competitive, you know, mm. that's my oh. issue. Oh no, definitely. It's, uh, you know, mixing, mixing politics. And I think with there sports are, and I think there are some tricky. ideas from live that can be taken into the PGA tour and be implied, but, um, or applied, but I do think that, you know, PGA if it was, Tours, yeah, uh, they're they're up against the wire right now, trying to hold their own and make sure that they can ride this thing out. And I it, think you know yeah. they need a follow. You know, there's nothing like it in my opinion that can follow, um, you know, a model. I guess on how to fight it. But I guess the only examples I've been able to think of are like, you know, the NFL and XFL type of thing. Like, yeah. how does the NFL cope with it? You know, how do they write it out? And I think, I think it? in the grand scheme, if this idea was proposed by any other country, not named Saudi Arabia, China, Russia, North Korea, I think people would be okay with it. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that underlying part is really hard for everyone to like fully get into because they'll defend their decisions with like the financial benefits. And like we said, athletes make as much as you can while you can. That's like, why your body is the way it is but at the same point it's like which hand are you taking like food from and it's you're taking ha- your food from the saudis and it's well not not the best look but it's and, and it's many reporters said with. that the saudis thought they were going to basically be able to pay anybody like they thought they could get a tiger they Dude, thought, because they're so insane <laughs> right they thought that the checkbook as long as if as long as if it was open anyone would go and a lot of the talent turned them down at least for now and yeah. so they're they're putting together this half-ass league in my opinion in terms of talent and you know for the college kids i can see why you you know just kind of say screw it because it's like you're either gonna be suffering on the corn fairy tour or whatever trying to just win attorney to make some money or get a small endorsement deal compared to you get a guaranteed million dollars out of college i mean you know, that's hard for someone to turn down, even if McElroy's like, that's the easy way out as a pro. Yeah. Um, if you make your money, then if you're just like, you know what, I'm not good enough to go the long, you know, the long haul, at least I cash out now. But, right. you know, some of these other guys who are setting the tone and trying to grow the game and stuff, it's just a bad look. 
Oh no, definitely. It's uh, and I think some of these guys who can't win anymore, can't win big majors, they're cashing out because I don't. You know, I think they, you know, just don't have oh, the 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 guy that but, uh, uh, compete. Uh, the guy that absolutely uh, screwed the PGA Championship. Pereira, I could see him going to the lift mm-hmm. tour, just having the yips forever and needing to cash yep. out. M- Molinari, or yeah, that guy had the yips in the Masters. He could right. go over there too. Uh, Sergio Garcia is actually a great name because he's one of those that always is in the mix Saturday, yeah, Sunday, right. and then just fucks and well, like yeah. fucks it up. Um, I'm trying to think of another name. Like it's bad to just kind of play Dustin this. Johnson because he, you know, he won one recently. Oh no, he's he's a that. he's a good example. Actually, I actually was surprised by Dustin Johnson. I thought he won more than he actually has. I was surprised when I looked he at he is a good golfer, but I was surprised that he was one to make the move because I feel like he was still like a top ten. Like he could yeah. win, he an, win an to event Gretzky. too. Yeah, and I guess that carries like weight, and if they put enough money in front of his face, though, so be it. Did did Deschambeau go, or did he say yeah, no? He I, left. Did he? Hmm. I don't know that. Well, that doesn't surprise me in the least either. He is so. DJ has twenty four PGA Tour wins. Um, he won the Masters. He's tied second twice for the PGA Championship. One U.S. Open once, tied for the Open Championship twice. So he has two major wins. Yeah, yeah, and then he broke the Masters record with a a freaking Mickey Mouse no crowd. I mean, yeah, whatever. Don't count that. <laughs> I love how right. that's just it go, goes right in my brain. I just right. don't count anything yeah. without fans. I don't think then, that's real. And then DeChambeau has one major win. He won the U.S. <laughs> Open. In guy tried to break try to break golf and it broke him. Yeah, yeah another guy that exactly. won without that's fans. Was, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, and also, too, it's just like when people brought up Phil and I really thought about this after I heard it is it's he's a 51 year old golfer past his prime. Like yeah, he's a huge name. Great. But he took that money for retirement. He's like, I'll put up with this crap so I can retire with an extra 200 mil in my account. But he already had, you know, eight figures or nine figures or whatever in his account. So it's yeah. like, you know, no, it's I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm curious, like I said earlier five years where we are at uh if like yeah, they get more golfers me, but i don't think they'll and, grow and to me it's just a greg norman spite tour like i oh, just look definitely. at this as like yeah. this is a big f you to the pga and that's about i don't it. i don't think there was publicity like for the league up until they got the names to come over and then people yeah. were like whoa what the fuck and i think Chase, that's that says um, all you need to know about like People weren't excited about the league coming to be. It was more of like an excitement of like, holy fuck, they went to another league. It's not like I'm going to watch that league. It's like the most entertain or most excitement that I think Liv will have was that like what we just had a month ago or whatever, when that whole announcement happened. I, they, I don't know how you make another splash. Right. You really can't if you're them because no, nobody is going to ever look at it on par as the PGA. Like they just never, I don't think they will until they get a guy like this is just me throwing a name out there. If they get like Will Zalatoris after he wins like two or three majors, right. like, like as that a free maybe, agent golfer in his right, yeah. maybe that'll bring heads. But it's like even still, that's a big ask because the PGA has still got the minor leagues where they can just tap in at any fucking moment and get a, another good young golfer in. Like they'll always replenish their talent. So I don't. I don't know if Liv will be able to sustain like any sort of attention. It, this first season so, will probably be the top. So many of these guys like have awful resumes. It's just so funny. Like Kepka's brother, Chase, 
he hasn't even played on the PGA Tour. He's played European Tour, which is PGA Challenge Tour and Corn Ferry Tour, but he's never even played main PGA as like an actual pro. Yeah. And he's been on it for four or five years now. And then like there's another guy here, Oliver Fisher. He's he competes in the PGA, but he's never played in the Masters, never played in the PGA Championship. In 2014, he was cut from the US Open, and his best finish at the Open Championship was tied for 32. Yeah, not good. It's just like, you know, you know, people are placing 66th on stuff, 25th, like, you know, 54, I see with another guy. It's just like, you know, these resumes outside these top 14 guys, just, you know, you wouldn't pay to see them if you're a golf fan just to go see pro golfers, you know? You know what I wouldn't, you know what I wouldn't go pay and see right now, but I already freaking did. I know. (laughs) You share it. I am going to go watch the White Sox this week in Houston play yeah. baseball. I just love that you're traveling to see this team play. It makes it so much better that you paid for a flight. You're paying to go out there. You're paying for all the expenses of being in Houston and you're going to watch them lose. You're going to watch them suffer and you're going to be chanting fire Tony. I love it. I don't know if I'll chant fire Tony. I'm going to be know, the rest of the Sox nations chanting it. I'll get into it. I really don't know if Tony is the problem as much as it's like, first off, let me go through. Like, let me you read see what games. he did the other game. I understand what he did. I look share with the I, fans what he did. With, so it with was all the like Sox fans. It was sixth or seventh inning. Um, Trey Turner was at the plate, oh, runner on second, one, two count. Bennett Sousa, a lefty, was pitching. <laughs> Trey Turner splits with two strikes against lefties is a lot better than Max Muncy's with two strikes against lefties. I understand where Tony's mind is at. I think it's overthinking a lot. And if you looked at the numbers, like I'm not going to like look them up right now, but I, Trey Turner's a great two strike hitter, especially against lefties. So it's like, he's micromanaging a very specific situation in that game. Max Muncy's also not bad at hitting lefties. Like he's got a better splits. I think hitting lefties than righties. Granted he's had a down year, but it's like Tony micromanaged the fuck out of that game. And I think, I think while it is bad, it is blown out of proportion. I think to an extent, I think he's been hitting the bottle again. I think that has to impact could, some of the choices. Could could play a factor. I'm not going to say allegedly. I think is the correct legal term. Tony that does has his uh, law license. He would know. Allegedly, he might be back on the bottle. Um, but like Tony, first off, I also don't think Tony really controls roster control, like who gets brought in in the off season and everything, and. While Rick Khan is given like the allowance from Jerry, like like a mom gives his son lunch money, I also don't know how much Rick Khan has more say than Jerry kind of deal. So it comes down to like, does Tony Larusa get to decide if Larry Garcia is on contract for another three years? Well, that's his best option to like bat one or two, and I fucking hate it. I hate his his roster or uh, lineup construction. That in itself is bad. But like when you have a lineup that can't have Eloy, Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, who's been butt, Jake Berger now because he got hit in the hand with a baseball. Um, it hurts. And I mean, someone like you have Gavin five more Sheets, wins than the Cubs. Right. And that's like the difference between we have like a middle to bottom pick in the draft right now for next year. You guys have like a bottom five. Have third best odds right now to get number one. Right. And that's like next Chris <laughs> Bryan, baby. It's five wins that separate us from those odds. And it's six wins that separate us from first in the AL Central. So it's 
it's just like we are in such a weird spot. And there's so many injuries. Joe Kelly, Vince Velasco has bum. Johnny Cueto has been a bright spot. There's just so much that the Sox, like, they weren't going to waltz through the Central and win it this year. I knew they weren't. I, I, I have said it on the last pod. I have receipts where I said they're going to win under, like, 91 and a half, 90 and a half games. I don't know what it was. I remember saying it because they were way the, under. They're just not as good as they were last year. They I didn't told get a, you they were going to well, be cocky where they thought they were the next Cubs. I'm telling you, I knew it. Well, well, when you, when you take away Rodon and I mean, he's a Cy Young arm and they still have, look, they still have, if you look at the, the betting markets know a lot. When you look at like the top 10 AL Cy Young, Kopech, Cease and Giolito are all are all in there. So that's what's keeping the White Sox semi afloat. Talking the- about our good good friend, Mike Kopech from the last five years. What have I told you for the last four years here about Mikey? He's always going to get hurt. I don't have know I not told you that he's always gotten hurt, and you're always like, "No, he's gonna be fine. He's Dude, only gonna be great." You want to hear the so worst great. part? He's gonna be our best pitcher. Hold on. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the worst part: watching so that classic. game. Watching that game. Uh, I talked with my buddy like fourth, fifth inning of that game, and I was like, "What? What happened with Kopech?" Because he was watching it early, and he said he thinks that there was too much. Oh my God, what was it? There was too much of something on the mound. Clay, too much clay on the mound. I was like, I, I have no fucking clue what's going on. Like, if if we have too much clay on our mound, <laughs> and Copex and Copex having fucking non-contact like knee tweaks, I'm I'm going to lose my shit if clay is the reason that our fucking generational arm is going to miss time. I mean, <laughs> Sam, you cannot deny he's great. Like sub two ERA, it's unbelievable. Just the guy can't he's fucking great, stay but healthy. He, he doesn't stay healthy. That's always been my knock on him, it's, that you can't expect too much out of him because he's always going to fall short because of health issues. And so, so this, that's why t- when you used to hype him up so much, I always had to get you to settle down there because of this. It ties I wanted me, to prepare you for this. It ties me back to Rodon not being re-signed because Rodon being not on the White Sox. His role was filled by Kopech, and Kopech has filled it beautifully this year, especially with the Lin out, beautifully, okay? Imagine if they still had Rodon, though, okay, and they didn't have to go spend money on Vince Velasquez, and they didn't have to give that money to, to Joe Kelly, and they just kept Rodon. They brought up nice. an arm. Dude, there's just so many things that could have happened, and they actually gave Rodon his $20 million qualifying offer and just didn't fucking worry about it because they're how close to, like, making real contention. So it's a lot of revisionist history right now for the White Sox because it just – you look at how the roster is constructed, and you say in June, July – Man, it would be really good for a team who's just they're hitting the like the grind of the season the to have some to a championship to have, to have some young guys come up and give a boost. Right. There's fucking nothing because they've traded it away last year and the year prior for people that aren't here anymore. I mean, I the always num- said that Han and Ryan Surf were gonna think they were the Cubs because they did a similar thing. And then they would act too early on. Like this team just thought way too far ahead. Like last year, you guys basically, the last two years, you guys thought, okay, we're basically a championship team without being in a situation to prove you're a championship team. That's been my knock on the Sox. Sox fans got excited. You made the playoffs. I'm happy for you. Enjoy that. But when you're saying championship and you didn't even make an ALCS, you can't even, you, you think too far ahead. That's been my thing this whole time. There's just such a feeling where, it's hard when a player like Yon Moncada, when you, you, you have an analytic, like it's called 
uh, runs created plus weighted runs mm-hmm. created plus and hundred is the average MLB number hundred. He's at 10. I've never heard of a player that low. He's at 10. We're paying him more money as he gets older for the White Sox. Okay. You can't take into account like when a guy like Yoan Moncada, who is like borderline MVP, AL MVP talk like three years ago to have like right. a year like this. It's just, you have the core and I understand where Rick, like, and then they, they saw what they had in the young players and who they'd signed to extensions early so they could be in this position they had the idea that it was a six to five year window and windows shut way qu- quicker. They're like a door. They just shut on us. And we're at like a one to two. And right now we're, we're picking it. We're picking pieces. And you guys gotten- are going to be, you know what? This is a good comp, I think actually, but they were a little more successful than you guys in another sport. You guys are going to be the OKC thunder of baseball. Fuck dude. That That's what sucks. you're going to be because Here's the thing. Three years ago, when I saw some of the moves you were making and, you know, a while back when you guys re-signed, you know, Aloy to that great contract, that team-friendly deal, got Grindall, all these guys, I'm like, shit, like, they're going to take over the city. Like, you know, that was my fear in the back of my mind, even though everybody knows the Cubs are Chicago's team. But, you know, I was worried there was going to be a little Sox excitement for a little bit. And you saw that. And, you know, last year, everybody was hitting the South side, going to Sox games. It was like the new place to be last year. Everybody was excited. You know, July, August, it was just supposedly so thrilling. And now people are falling back off on the Sox, you know, deservedly so. And And they should like, if I were you, I'd be so mad that my team, the players, the management, everybody, thought you were world series contenders before you even got there. Like that's how you guys treat, you guys should be competing for a championship, but not thinking you earned it already before it You know, it's crazy when you kind of say this out loud though, it is weird to think that like the fans and maybe Rick Hahn had the same irrational thoughts about this club where he didn't add, I mean, granted he added Kendall Graveman, who's been fine. Joe Kelly's been terrible. Yasmani has been hit or miss point being like he's added good people but he also hasn't gone over the top to make them that because maybe he's, he's like i'm trusting there. yeah right and, it's like and, what the cubs said after we won the series that's what i'm saying is we didn't go after pitching we didn't go after more hitting when we needed it on the outfield front and you know more defense there like we just stayed with our core and we're like we're trusting these we'll add minor free agent things like get a joe kelly level guy this or that yeah. and it just never fizzled out, you know, it just straight up fizzled out. So I think at this point, never like going, going into next season, like I, the White Sox have to make, I don't know if they still have that like play in bullshit for the MLB this year. They got to make a wild card. Right. And so I have the wild card standings up right now. And it, They're three games back and, it, right. and it's the Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays that are Rays like are making, one, I've, two and three. After the last couple of years, I buy in on the Rays every year right now. Right. And, and you have I to have assume to. one of the other isn't going to make it between the right. Blue Jays and the Rays. But that means either the Guardians, the Rangers, or the White Sox is going to be that team that, like, continues to grind and make it. I, I don't know if I could sit here confidently and say the White Sox right now with how they've played. And it, it hurts when you don't have a guy like Tim Anderson. So when I'm going to Houston – I'm going to see a deflated White Sox team that just had Lance Lynn make his return last night and yell at Jim McEwing in the dugout for shifting too much while he was pitching. I mean, this team is just in, in, in a sort of shambles and they're all getting hurt. Like a Jake Berger getting hurt fucking sucks so much. Cause he's been tearing the cover. Like he's batting like 500 the last three weeks. 
He can't get hurt right now. We can't Question. have that. About Houston, do, do they still have the train in the stadium? Yeah, they still have, like, the tracks and all of that, yeah. Left, I think you should, left center. I think you should try to get on the train. So that would be cool. I don't know where our seats are. I know we have tickets. I have no idea where they are. Um, so we'll figure that out when we get there. You know what they, you should do? Do any of your friends not follow baseball that closely? Yeah. Going? Yep. Okay. You got to trick one of them and show them the picture of the old hill that used to be in the stadium. And you know what I mean? In the outfield? Yes. In the How center. They used to have the, yeah. With the flagpole and stuff. You got to say to them that they moved the hill somewhere in the stadium and get them to look for it. Like a oh, yeah. Like, like, a, like, a, like a monument type thing where they get yeah. part of the hill yeah, yeah, and they yeah, like, yeah. have to go yeah. find it. Yeah, okay. like if the Marlins kept the statue in their stadium, like they move the hill for fans to like be there, but it's like a hidden, you know, part of the stadium. You should like try to get them to search for that. Yeah, no, and and we're going into Houston to uh, an Astros team that leads the West, and we couldn't beat the Rangers in a series convincingly, and they're seven and a half games back of the Astros. So <laughs> <Wait>. I'm fuck. <laughs> Wait, I, I want to pull up a stat real quick because I don't know it off the top of my head. What, what are we what are we trying to hurt my feelings or, or make my feelings better um it's just to, it's to make you feel better okay while we're still on the baseball topic. i really hope it's something about the cubs like i'm looking at the cubs right now and their last what is it like seven I mean, eight games played they haven't to, won a game. All, all i can say to that is in jed we trust and rizzo hit a home run on us the other day at yankee stadium i cried a few times but um, Sam, I also want you know what you the to combined talk age. You know what the combined age of the Astros manager Dusty Baker and Tony Larusa is? The combined age is uh, I just calculated one seventy-two. Oh, you were high. One forty-nine. <laughs> They've lived the combined one hundred forty-nine years. That's so many. They've seen so much baseball. And, and, you know, it's crazier. And like everyone, this is to perfectly wrap up the fire, Tony talk and just all of this bullshit about the White Sox because fuck this. Tony LaRusso has been fired once in his career. Okay, It was when he was a manager for the White Sox and right. Hawk Harrelson yeah. was the GM. Hawk won't say why he fired Tony, so I'm assuming Tony fucked his old lady or he drank on the job. One of the two, right? Either way, Tony has never been fired. He's a Hall of Famer. He has the most wins of any manager right now. You think Jerry Reinsdorf is going to give the call to fire fucking Tony LaRusso? No chance. We're he riding this Phil. one out. No, we're going to ride Phil. this. We're going to ride this out, Sam, as much as it hurts. And we're going to see this through. He has to see it through. My real question for you is, does Jerry run the team or does Michael run the team? Jerry. Wait, the Bulls or the Sox? The Sox. Jerry, that's Jerry's pet. He gave, he pawned the bull. I know he gave the bull to Michael, but I didn't know if Michael dabbled in Sox play. No, that's the problem is Jerry is so staunch on the White Sox. He doesn't get everyone, like anyone to come in. And there's a reason why he's a basketball Hall of Famer, not a baseball Hall of Famer. (laughs) No kidding. You know what stinks is every, every White Sox, like even Hawk Harrelson said it, the best White Sox manager they have ever seen does pre and post game talking about the team every night. Like, why don't they ever give Ozzy another shot? I don't know what it is. I don't know. And everybody loved the race. He was like a hockey player, dude. And how he got heated. Like it was great. He was animated like a dude. He was, you know what? This is a good, I feel like a good like example or like comparison. Ozzy Gian was Pat McAfee as an active coach before Pat McAfee. Um, in yeah. terms of animation, calling people out, being well, funny day to day. I think we also missed it. We also missed the older era where like a Bobby Cox would like spike yeah. an ump on the foot. Where like I get that. 
I'm saying but, like Ozzy though with the yeah. press then too. Oh saying, yes, you know. Ozzy, man, missing. There's there's English, there's Spanish, and then there's Ozzy, and there's. I mean, he you can understand every word he says, and it, I mean, it'll we sound. We grew up in a great time. We had Lou Pinella and Ozzy growing up. I that mean, that was a power duo. Now you have Tony Larusa and David Ross. Who I mean, I love Rossi. I mean, look, Ross is soft spoken. He's a he's a leader of men, and Tony's a leader of men too. But he's like also, I don't think he's the best. Like I think Ross will admit to the media when he messes up with a question. Like Tony, he'll say, no. like I overthought. Tony. Tony won't deny it. He'll be like. <laughs> I know the numbers. Do you know the numbers? Like if someone asks him a question that he doesn't like his way of like avoiding a question is just repeating it to the person and making them feel like, Hey, was that question stupid? Was that question stupid? It's so annoying because he's such an old timey fart that like, I have to like believe in the wins he's had and like what he's succeeded in doing in St. Louis specifically, because those teams, I mean, St. Louis was just a powerhouse. And what about in Oakland? He had the steroid boys in the smash bros. Powerhouse too. They did their thing. I, there was one stat I saw and I want to pull it up because it it hurts my heart to cling onto this as a white Sox fan. Cause there's not a lot that you can really cling on to right now. It was from Mark Potash. Um, I know the Cubs have more hope right now. We got Christopher Morrell just dominating, getting on base every game he's ever played in in pro baseball. Dude, and he's awesome. trust. How, how old is he also? He's uh, he's a little bit older because he's been in our system since 2015, I think. Okay, so th- this is this is what I'm is. this is what I'm holding. Oh, he's out. 22. He's younger. Great. He came in at 15 then. Fuck. We got a lot of life in him, dude. So, so this is the thing I'm holding out for. So this is uh, – don't laugh. Just let me get through this. Okay. I'll try to keep it straight. The guys. date is 1983, June 11th. Wow. White Sox are 25 and 31, fifth place in the AL West. Okay. They went 74 and 32 from that point on with a nearly 70% win percentage, the sixth best record in that span in baseball history, and won the division by 20 games. The manager was Tony LaRussa. Okay. I get it. That's a little far fetched. They've been in worse situations, and Tony LaRussa put them on a 70% win streak. Do, do, do you realize how long ago that was? I know. I know, like Ron Kittle was probably that was, batting. First that was seventeen base. years before you were even alive. I, brother, I know Tony Larusa is still the manager for the White Sox. <laughs> like that's fucked up. Point being, maybe that's what we're holding out for. <laughs> if there is a team that could do something like that, I think it would be the White Sox. It, but if, if there's also a team that couldn't do it, I also think it would be the White Sox. Okay. If they go on that big of a win streak, when I'm in Chicago later this summer, I will buy us the tickets to the game, and I will wear all Sox merch to the Sox game if Please. they are winning by that much. I will go all in. They, like they, I, I go to the injury list right now, and we'll move on because I'm sick of it. Jake Berger, he had his hand bruised. Yasmani, he's got like a freaking lower back spasms. He's had hamstring tightness. He can't hit a ball. Classic. Classic. Um, Aaron Bummer left left lat strain. He's like a great lefty in the pen. Finally Fifteen like days, bum. Joe Kelly left hamstring tweak. I you can stay tweaked. Vince Velasquez mid mid June return. But you don't need to. Tim Anderson late June return. 
that makes me sad. Like, sad. Eloy Torn. Eloy, I don't even want to get started about him. The guy, Garrett Crochet, Tommy John. Like, it. NBA Finals are on. I, last night was a really good game. Uh, oh, dude, it was a great Steph, game. Steph, hold on. Here's the worst part. My buddy had a DraftKings promo. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah. Any bet was boosted to plus 100. He took Steph to make a three, minus 10,000. First game in 36 in two, playoff yeah. games. That no, he didn't. it's his first game in 233 straight games he's played in where he hasn't made a three. Like, like regular games? It's 2018, since... December, January, regular or playoffs or all together combined 233 games. I think it was like 38 straight playoff games with one, two or something, but like, that's an even crazier run in luck. And he still put up like 20 in the game, which is crazy. That's an all time bad beat. But I also think this is, uh, this is the year where people aren't talking about Jason Tatum taking over the league. I think this is the year that people are saying Andrew Wiggins is finally getting some respect. Well, I know Wiggins is putting up two straight double doubles and he's put up crazy. Uh, he's playing like Scotty Pippen right well, now. You know what I'm worried about is my comparison to us has been, he is the 2015 Andre Iguodala for this Warriors team right now, where he's just, you know, a guy. My buddy said the, the exact same guy. thing last night. Really? Exact and, same and thing. And what I'm worried about is this might be Steph's one last chance to win a finals MVP and Wiggins is going to steal it from him. So I, I think he'll win it just because the writers. Well, and and everyone, he, well he was averaging 30, he was yeah. averaging 34.8 points a game before this game. So, so I, I also want to take it a step further. So let's say he wins it. He wins the ship. Cause I do think the warriors win. They're I think even, I even if all. Boston yeah. wins game six, like everyone before the season, they were going to win. And everybody's like, you're an idiot. They're not going to win. I know. And, and I love how like every NBA fans like, Oh, we get to see game six clay. I hope clay is good. But like, there's been a lot of talk about game six clay. I hope it doesn't fall flat. Um, you was pulling through is, last night. Is, is Steph this ship finals MVP. I want to play goat talk with him. Then I want to play goat talk. Cause I uh. think he's there. For for NBA I standards, him, I would he's put him in top ten in league history. I mean, oh, I think he's top five. Team. I think he's top five if he wins this because I mean, you can't deny the fact that he's came in with one team dynasty. They got hurt. They came back, did it again. He finally won an MVP. If he if he wins five, I'd put him over Kobe. Yeah, he I, changed the game. Kobe didn't change the game like how Steph's changing the game. I think that's so why I that's think gives where Steph I can, his boost. Where like he's already got yeah, the most threes. The I don't his, put him over LeBron. I don't put him over Mike. There's a few I, other guys. I, 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 I just think too. he's a, he's in a weird league of his own because he did change the game in terms of like LeBron said it great in the shop. As soon as he gets off, like gets out of the car and steps into the arena, you got to guard him. Like Steph. He pulls up like we've never seen and utilizes the three-pointer like we've never seen. Like the guy's made the most ever, and he's got how many more years to play? Like three or four. Right. You know? And, and, and then he's probably gonna slow his game up and just make game. he's probably gonna slow his game up and just keep shooting threes throughout his career. Jordan Poole is our he was age. like baby Steph. I know, but he was like baby Steph out there he, making these dude, he's, he's already these clutch. He's been hitting these clutch shots that are just unreal. Yo, last night, his buzzer beater to go into the fourth, was it? Yeah. That was – one was seconds for bone, the release. Bone chilling. And, yeah, that was Start also like – off or on. Yeah, he flicked that ball. Like, that was a confident shot. And Wiggins with tell. the pass, dude. 
Yeah, he, he held it, held it, held it, and right when they tried to make a defensive move against him, he passed it out. It was just perfect timing. It was great basketball. Yeah, great basketball from Draymond here. Is Draymond a Hall of Famer? Dray, if Draymond's a Hall of Famer, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, he's good. been at the core good. of four dynasties. Good. I mean, no, I'm good. I'm glad because I've had this talk with plenty of my friends, and I've won. I'll I'll name drum right now. Colton, he's staunchly against Draymond, calls him a bum, and, and I can't. I can't sit there and confidently say it either because like you can't deny what he did in his career already in terms of like, if you look at how many triple doubles he has, he's top five in active players, I think, or maybe top 10 all time in triple yeah. doubles. Well, he He's a six, seven fucking center. And, and he's he made runs how many, their offense. And the he, offense yeah, runs he, through him. He's the locomotive for that offense where they can swing around him. Plus how like people make the Dennis Rodman comparison to him because they're just two grip balls. Dennis Rodman wasn't allowed to touch the ball on offense. Right. <laughs> like right. at all. <laughs> I know. And I put that comparison in a little bit too, because I think he is that defensive guy who, you know, makes definitely big plays that's and the stuff. comparison. But, but Dennis gets him in rebounding. But the way he the way he's so valuable is he keeps that offensive motion and knows where to put people. He brings the ball up. I mean, what power forward center brings the ball up on offense and sets, you know, screens, pick and rolls, and also passes the ball out in that, you know, offense. That was a big thing. I plays. think it was game two or three. Draymond, it was when Draymond was having a terrible game and Steve Kerr made the wrinkle of let's just have Draymond bring the ball up and bring Al Horford out and just clear the paint. And it's like, dude, everybody's talking about how bad Draymond is, yet he's still able to bring the ball up and start the offense. You know, like, that's an invaluable asset. Like, I can't say, like, Draymond plays a four consistently, sometimes the five. Imagine if we sat here and said, hey, can we have Patrick Williams bring the ball up consistently? No. Fuck no. I would never want to see that, you know? But he's, like, 6'8". He should be a better offensive player than Draymond. He is a better offensive player. But I still think Draymond bringing the ball is better than Patrick Williams. And I think I he gets so much slander. And, and the I podcast stuff, I'm like, he's sitting in his hotel room talking hoops. What else would you want him to be doing during the finals? Do you want him going out till 3 a.m. like some of these yeah. other guys have? Like, you know, like he, like people are saying, oh, he t-, like the, they're like, oh, he's talking and all this stuff. He can't live up to whatever. Draymond is the definition of the guy who talks the talk, walks the walk. When he – messes up he when he messes up he he owns up to what he you know said or did like he owns up to his actions like when he got pulled obviously they won the game but when steve kerr pulled him out in game four he's like that was the right thing to do he's like yeah i was mad i wanted to play i'm a competitor but i needed to be pulled there because this is what we did to win like you know so it's just there are things that you know people knock him for and people forget him clay and Curry have been together for 10 years now. It's not like they're young guys, you know, where it's, he's trying to earn his yeah. way, you know? Exactly. It's not sacrificing like this isn't their the first rodeo. And and I don't know who was um so some talking head. I don't know who, but they said that Draymond obviously is not there offensively as he used to be, where like his playoff high was like 33 or 31 against the Cavs. Like that's unprecedented compared to what we see right now. Right. Yeah. But he but, never was that crazy. Offense. Right. He's never been, but like he, he had game. All right. He doesn't have that game. Now he's also had a lot of back injuries and I think yeah. he is playing hurt point being 
he's transitioned from being that offensive guy and like trying to make an even bigger impact to like, yeah, I'll make my impact, but it's about, can we fucking win the game? Cause he knows what winning is and what it feels like. He doesn't care what people say about his stat line. Did we win the game is what he cares about. And well, I, and he what, does what are you things do? that uh, only a competitor and champion can do like talking up Tatum and smart near their bench last night. And yeah. just chirping and chirping and chirping and, you know, trying to just rattle them, like doing things like that, the playing the mental games. And just to me, it's easy to knock him when he has a bad game. But when he wins, what are you going to say? And for yeah. me, yeah. they're about to win a championship. And it's weird for me because this is the only finals I've ever rooted for them, I think. Oh, agreed. I, I don't know. I don't have anything against Boston either. In Other fact, than the I, first one. I'd say the first one and this one. In fact, I think if Boston won, it would be a better story, you know, because like I love Tatum. But I think he's going to win them. Like, yeah, my he thing will. is, he's going to be back there. Tatum will be back, and Brown is coming in his own, and, and, and Marcus Smart. And I love proven, that they're homegrown. Right. I and love Marcus that Smart homegrown. is like, he's proven, and like, you can't get rid of him now. Um, Robert Williams, like another guy, Grant I love Williams. Robert Williams so and Grant. They Williams. have like I they love have those guys that homegrown, like you love the root for that story, and they have the duo where it's like these guys are like their future. Um, but it's just I, I have nothing against Boston. I just for some reason think there's been so much slander against the Warriors that it's like fuck it, let's ride Golden State. Like, why not? Everyone just slandering them, and, and Steve Kerr, I He's got to be conversation for one of the, if not the greatest NBA coach ever, one of them. Like, he's done some crazy things in such a short span of time. Well, the craziest thing, too, about this, like, Warriors team is they have a number one over or number two overall pick who's not even playing in this series with Wiseman. Like and they could have gotten if, the ball and they took Wiseman. He's not even a factor and they're about imagine, to win a championship. Yeah. Like, and they have to play Looney and Kaminga. Imagine if they were James Wiseman out there. That makes Robert Williams uncomfortable to be on the edge with, with Wiseman. That's just, I can't say that about Wiseman because he's barely played in the NBA, but I'm, I'm saying, saying like, the based fact on that they his, have a top pick. his potential of what kind of player he right, is. Let's right. say like the last year and a half, two years, he did play and develop just the potential of what they could have been because they played the NBA game so well. They got D'Angelo Russell and dished him out within like a month's cup of coffee. You know, like it was easy money for them. And and they flipped around and just played video games and look at where they are. They're back at it after injuries for two years. And one of the other funny storylines of this series, it's not Warriors related, but Lakers related that they had the, you know, number two pick in two straight drafts, 2016, 2017, the picks after those guys, after, Ingram and Lonzo were um, Jalen Brown and Tatum. Fuck. And so it's just like for the Lakers too, if you had those guys as your core, and the thing is Ingram became an all-star Lonzo's became a great player too. He's battled injuries now, but still a good player. But like, if you got Jason Tatum, you got the next Kobe Bryant like type of guy for your franchise and you could have drafted him instead of Zoe. Yeah. And so it's just crazy to think about for the Lakers. Of course, those guys go to the Celtics and now they're in the finals. It's just like, it just it just adds to that rivalry even more for me and those stories, those crazy Boston Lakers stories. But um, this has been a great series. I mean, I really didn't want Dallas in it this time around. I wanted the Warriors in it, and I wanted the Celtics in it. I mean, the Heat would have been fun, but it just wouldn't have been as watchable. No, nobody would have watched. And I and I was I was on the Luca wagon just because like I was of that narrative where like I thought Luca in that moment 
Right. Like, it was time playoffs, for him to get his. He, yeah. I thought, I thought he was the best player in the playoffs at that moment, and I was like, I just want to see him get to the finals and see right. what happens because it's anything. I mean, he's happens. better than Tatum, and he like he right. You know, he's the best young guy in the league. So, so one last thing to wrap up, uh, Golden State jerk off session. So. Steve Kerr, he led the Golden State to 67 wins his first year as the head coach. Right. First title in right. 40 years, okay? They and set a new... the next year. Set a new regular season win record his second season with 73, breaking the previous record that he had when he was on the Bulls. I just think that right. little wrinkle is just crazy because he knew what it took, and then his second year of coaching, he fucking did it. Granted, they had Kevin Durant, but still, they did it, okay? Mm-hmm. And Steph and Clay were also maturing when they had Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson doesn't get enough credit for like helping. I don't think. And it, I mean, and he has to my, watch every. Single I was about to say part of my take says on. it all the time. He has to watch like a cuck every single game of theirs and call it. It's hilarious. They reached five straight championships and won three of them. Like that's you also like he was gifted Ray Allen Jr. and the greatest shooter in Steph Curry. And like in Clay Thompson's Ray Allen Jr. And it's like you get Dennis Rodman's prototype and, and Draymond. And, and that's hard to like not have success with, but he still found like a way to coach them all. And still, if we remember those old teams, he did beat LeBron, but still they had so many bench pieces that played so many different roles. Like Sean Livingston, that guy was a, an eh. I mean, you had Iguodala. He was, he was the first free agent to really ever sign at Golden State by choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he, he was a guy who was a franchise guy with role. the Sixers, yep. and he was great. And he, you know, took on kind of that third guy, David Lee, Festus Azili, Harrison Barnes. You forgot your boy from no, Ohio State. No, he Harrison Barnes was maybe the worst Golden State Warrior I've ever seen in my life. I think he had a historically bad NBA Finals. I mean, like he, he got a massive contract though from being on those teams. Massive contract for being Dallas. like one for 30 in the finals from three. Like he was so, like he got so many open shots and they're like, just let him shoot. I'm like, no Harrison, stop. God, that I forget Harrison was on those teams. He was such a non-factor, <laughs> such a non-factor. But yeah, I, I never thought I'd see the day where I would root for Golden State. Um, I don't know if I, I think I rooted for LeBron when he played Golden State because I loved the whole narrative of LeBron, you know, the whole Cleveland Hard not to root for that. Um, 2016. But, what? 2016, I wanted the Warriors to lose because I didn't want them to get the Bulls record. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Yeah, that made sense. Yeah, I was probably the same way. Um, but pivoting to the NHL. I mean, we're in the Stanley Cup season now. It's it's Tampa, Colorado. I'm on the Tampa train. And so I before the playoffs started, I did I put in a future on Tampa to win the cup at plus a thousand. So I've been riding them all the I way. I should have done that. I, I had added to the list of bets. I wish I made. <laughs> so I had to write it. Cause I was just like, dude, it's why not? Let's just write history. Let's just, I love that narrative because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't love any team to win the cup, but it's like, let's just pick the team that's won it. And they look right. good. But here's the thing. Here's the fun story. I mentioned you off air. So they played the Rangers in what was it? Game six the other night. Yeah. And Vasilevsky in uh series clinching games has allowed, I think it's, five or six shutouts and it's the most in nhl history like the guy just doesn't lose in series clinching games he throws shutouts blackhawks trade the bank for that guy right and so vassy like last round plays the panthers great battle of florida but the panthers 
had scored the most goals. What Joel could have had. Right. They had scored the most. I don't know if Joel would have allowed this, but they had scored the most goals of any salary cap era team in the NHL ever. And they got hold of no goals in the final game against Vassy. So naturally against the Rangers, I'm like, fuck yeah. I have the lightning in the final. They're winning it over at Colorado or Edmonton. I wanted Edmonton. I love Connor McDavid. That's another pod. I bet Tampa to win by a shutout. And I was sweating that whole fucking game for a shutout. And it happened in like the third period. I think they finally got their first goal with like eight minutes left in the third to tie it up. And I thought Steven Stamkos had an interview with some NBC lady or TNT, like at intermission. He looked like he just got off like the battlefield in Afghanistan. Like he had just seen war. And I was like, Okay, they're parking the bus. Like, they're not going to go and try and score a goal. They're parking the bus. We're going to go shoot out. We're all good. It happened somehow. I was beside myself. I was never more upset. And then Tampa scored, and, like, 10 seconds later, I was like, whatever. That team, I also – I say this to all my Blackhawk friends. If that Tampa Bay Lightning goalie right now, Andre Vasilevsky, was the goalie in 2015, it's a difference. Yeah. It's a difference. Change the game. Would change I, th- it. I think the Blackhawks lose that series, <laughs> like handily. Right. I think it would be totally. scary. Totally. That Tampa totally. team, I, I don't, they are, it's so cool to see how it kind of was like in the beginning of our like hockey watching careers, like it was like a Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, mm-hmm. they were good. And then the Blackhawks came out of nowhere. They were really good for five, six that years. And then the it Kings was in there. Spring, the, the Kings had their little glory too, yeah. and then it's Tampa, and it's mm-hmm. just been Tampa. And it's so weird to me because just people down here, even like with claim they're Tampa fans of whatever sport, but not really care at all. Like I remember the Rays runs in the you know with Joe Madden, you yep. know Lightning twenty fifteen, but you know it didn't bring a lot of hype. You know when people got Winston, there's a little hype, but now it's just like Bucks, Lightning, Rays, all dominant for a team that. For a city that just never they was a sports they city. They don't give a – and they also – I don't feel like they really give a fuck. Like, the fans, they're yeah. there to, like, enjoy and watch a good team win, but they're not there to, like, really celebrate a win and, like, the hard times of being a fan of a bad team. Like, they've always been good. Always. Right, right. It, it, it's just – even the Rays, like it feels like they've always been relevant too. So to see Tampa back in the Stanley Cup, it's like – they're going to bring a lot of eyes. But I think like they have Cooper a good chance. Such a good coach, though. Oh, that it's like former lawyer. Yeah, and I mean, I love how his he, his, own, his only chance of being a, a former lawyer turned NHL head coach was because he stuck with the same organization and they believed in him. And they're like, "Look, we'll give you your AHL shot." And they're like, "Fuck, this guy's got it." So we bring him up. <laughs> Dynasty talk. Like what? We went from hiring Barry Mello, Belrose right. Melrose for sixteen games. He sat Steven Stamkos in his rookie season to John Cooper and like they're well, Stamkos is just, like whoa, the luckiest guy in the world. Oh my he, god, like, that guy. He's he like foul. he's like, I'm playing hockey in Tampa Bay, Florida, and St. St. Louis left and all these other guys left. And then you know, after 2014, and then here I am, like, okay, we go on one Stanley Cup run. That's gonna be our benchmark of my entire career here in tampa boom dynasty comes mid 30s like 
literally can't wish for anything more you can't and and i think we also haven't given enough credit to colorado in this little yeah no they they definitely earned it they're fucking like nathan mckinnon is but i want to see the three p agreed he's as good as like Connor mcdavid and he's like elevated to be like superstar world good but kale mccarr is like Duncan Keith on steroids. Yeah, but but I just personally have this belief that the only thing that Denver should be known for is winning Super Bowls and nothing else. That's just yeah, yeah. And and speaking of Denver, we had the good old clip of Russell Wilson saying Broncos country, let's ride. That's oh, that was that, legendary. That has been hitting every group chat nonstop for me. That that video. It's been great. I've actually been asked by a couple of my friends to make an hour long loop of it and post it on twitter or uh youtube both of them probably so i'm probably going to get around to on the that. city youtube account city i'll probably yeah i'll YouTube. probably get around to doing that sometime soon just uh I, it'll take like an hour and i'll do it and i'll just be so disgusted with myself <laughs> but it's i'm surprised you'd have the patience to listen to it for i hour. think it's so funny that like you could someone has to do it because no one's posted it on the internet yet so someone has to they have to yeah I, I mean, so why not good. me why not me? Um, but yeah, Colorado. Taking all, taking all your Barcelona withdrawals out on Russell Wilson. Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, I, I missed that account. Another pod. Um, I think the series goes to six games, and I think someone wins 4-2. I just think someone, there's going to be an injury. Yeah, there'll be an injury. I think, it, I think it goes five games. I think they boom, boom, boom. And then I also don't think one, Colorado's got good enough goaltending to hang with the yeah. Lightning, you that's know? What, that's what I think is going to be the biggest factor is yeah. the goaltending. Yeah, because, like, Shesterkin for the Rangers was nasty, and he was, like, I mean, two Russian goalies going off against each other. Oh, it's just, like, yeah. every stereotype. And, like, dude. Everybody was like when the Rangers were up 2-0 and they were playing in Tampa. Everybody's like, oh, Rangers are going to steal one of these games. You're going to win in New York. That's what everybody was kind of saying. And I'm just like, after the Lightning won the first game, I'm like, this is going six or seven. Like, it has to. Because, like, once you get the Rangers number on one, it just, like, come on. yeah, And it's the Rangers. Like, when do the Rangers actually win a cup? Like, Well, yeah, and – I saw that like the Rangers Madison Square Garden for God's sake. The Rangers hadn't, yeah, the house Bon Jovi built. They the uh Rangers hadn't scored an even strength five on five goal in like two and a half games against the Lightning. Once the light lightning figured out like don't penalize, like they just can't score, it was over. Like <laughs> they, they didn't have to do anything because the Rangers couldn't, you know. Yeah, I also think it's funny that Rangers fans who went up 2-0 on the lightning and then like they lose, they get back backwards swept reverse swept they still take pride in that and they're like oh yeah we still like put up two on them it's like dude he fucking lost like what are we taking pride from in that and there's nothing to take like yeah you went up 2-0 you lost you couldn't score goals you have great offensive players and you couldn't score goals so hey i think the best teams made it to the stanley cup and yeah i'm on the i'm on the tampa wagon too i don't think there's a, a doubt in my mind that we'll see history let's go so by next pod we're hopefully going to be talking about how good the Warriors championship parade was where the lightning are back. And um, if you rode the train in Houston or not. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, uh, I got to figure out if I could somehow sneak in like a, a balloon trash can or something. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't know. The trash they're, can. they're really, Dude, against did you it. see they're... the video of Bregman of a kid? I saw this the other day. I sent in a bunch of group chats of a kid calling Bregman over to him for a picture. He was by the field. 
Bregman comes over to him and a group of fans because he's like, oh, they want pictures with me. Yeah. And he just cursed Bregman. He's like, you think I want a picture with you? So he's like, screw ah! off. <laughs> Bregman just moved on to the next guy. It was Animal. so funny. He called him off. It was so great. Good stuff. You know, someone's like, going to put that he's like, He called him place. a bum. That's what he did. He's like, why would I want Why would I want a picture with you, you bum? And Bregman <laughs> got taken aback by it, and he just tried to keep moving. It was great. Exactly. You freaking bum. Kids said it. Kids said it best. Kids, Kids said, said it best. So um, we're going to wrap up the pod real quick, but I got uh, – I got two games that I want you to give me a winner to. Okay. okay. WNBA Phoenix at Washington. Phoenix. I don't believe Phoenix has Brittany Griner back. So Phoenix though. Okay. They got a squad. Seattle at Minnesota. How do we feel? Gotta go Seattle. That's I like early. Minnesota, but they don't have Maya Moore yet. Yeah, Is Maya Moore ever no. gonna play basketball again? I hope she helped so, like her, she helped it. her husband get her out of husband prison. get out of jail. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy oh. story. And it is a crazy story. But so is that also, Brittany I'm pretty Griner sure. One. I'm pretty sure there's a Hawkeye on the Mercury right now. I think you stopped. Oh, is it there. Gus? Oh, my God. You're right. She is. I think so. so. I don't know if she is or not still, but. Washington beats Phoenix. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, she's uh, a Mercury player. Finally. And one more thing for WNBA talk. Brittany Griner. I mean, she's still in Russia because she had weed pen. She had right, a weed pen right. and they caught her. And now she's being used as like a political pawn in this entire global conflict. Yeah, imagine if the Russians marched through a college town. Well, find <laughs> no shit. But also, they're thinking about doing like a prisoner exchange with us with Brittany. I I saw. Yeah, I saw which, the State which, Department met with the team. Yeah, it makes sense why they're gonna do it to like diplomatically go about right. this. Um, it would be Brittany Griner in exchange for a Russian drug smuggling pilot. He was a commercial pilot. So like he, he flew in like cocaine, like a lot of cocaine on like a Southwest flight, for example, he's being held at the same standard as six, six Brittany Griner who had a weed pen. Even trade, off. <laughs> even trade. Even trade. Hashtag free I, Brittany. Free Brittany. Yeah. I think God, that hashtag will never end. Um, last thing on her, they can't have a six, six bed for her. <laughs> no way. No way. If anything, they make the bed tinier the longer she's there. Like that's they, cut, just, they cut a half a foot off the bed. That's just got to be mom. hell. It's got to be hell for her, man. But that was WNBA talk. Like, I love that. You got to feature fun. that more this summer. That was WNBA fun. Talk. I, you got it. That's great. I, I like I've that. Been, you got to make that. You got to find a few games each week. I, I've been finding a couple of highlights here and there on uh, the feed. And I saw one of a girl, this, this like French girl, I think. She was like, she like Euro stepped through the lane and then she like, or she hop stepped and she went behind her back or like behind her head. And she like threw it to the top of the three point line. Crazy assist. Someone linked her highlights from like her international basketball games from when she played for like France. That's great. I was like, Oh my God. She's like nasty. It, it was, she was, she was it. She looked like a mixture of uh Zach Levine and like LaMelo ball with the ball. He was just smooth playing with it. Like a Rajon Rondo. 
They got the handles and they shoot. She got Rajon Rondo cradle handles and she's like assisting like that. It was just crazy. So I jumped down a little rabbit hole like that, but I need Chicago Sky jersey soon. I need more. This is going to sound really misogynistic. I need more in game dunks. I think those are just great for the game. Have you? Oh, this is exactly why you miss cultures of basketball all the time. We had these discussions. (laughs) We just need more in game dunks. That's it. I just. I think the WNBA won't do shit until there's like in, an in-game dunk every game. Otherwise, we'll be doing. And I think they should be worth more. If if our old professors listening out there, can you just explain and confess now, like you know where you were every class while we were having these discussions on the WNBA? Oh, it's various places, various. <laughs> neither here nor there, but definitely not in uh, the library. Definitely yeah. not. Thomas, appreciate you for passing me. Um. I don't know if I got a B or C in the class. I think I got a B. So look at that. Bare minimum got me the B. There you go. (laughs) I think I spoke up in class like once. And he said, what's your name? Three, three. What's your name again? He he always, yeah. He always said to you, what's your name again? It was great. You and the white socks in the back. Jack, Jack. Yep. That's me. Um, I wanted to talk about Tracy McGrady today. Speaking of, we talk about that next pod. Did you hear about Tracy? Yeah, the league he started. Yeah, we can talk about that next time. That I think nice I think that'd be fun. But everyone, stay tuned. Heading on vacation to Houston. Hopefully, I come back crippled with my voice gone and I'm burnt like an absolute crab. Like and he, always try, that and he tries thing. moving the podcast back five times. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like <laughs> I'll be so hurt by the end of that trip. I'm gonna be like crisped. I'm gonna be hung tittied. I'm gonna be broke. I want to be upset after watching the White Sox lose, but at least I'll be with my friends. So that'll be okay. Like always, not same time, same place. We'll see you guys later.